Before we get into the text, I just want to thank those people that watch on YouTube on a regular basis and want to encourage you to um, to subscribe. We've now reached over 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. We're very happy about that. So we'd like you to subscribe. We know what is interesting. Uh, we have about 3,000 subscribers, but 60% of the viewers out there that watch Native are not subscribers. So... Uh, of of the of the you know I don't know uh, uh, you know twenty eight thousand views in a month or whatever it is they're not subscribers they they're just watching on a regular month so we want to encourage you to subscribe and also uh, take time to donate anything would help uh, us continue to do what we do uh, Nativ obviously covers all the cost one hundred percent and we really would appreciate. Whatever amount is good donated to Nativa to help us further uh, cover the cost of internet and production, etc. Thank you. We're going to study uh, Deuteronomy, the 11th chapter, verse 16 through 18. And I want to title this, The Battle Against Mediocrity. The Battle Against Mediocrity. Why do you smile, my young lady? It is cool. We should battle against this. We're in, we're in uh, chapter 11, and we are at um, 26. Sorry. All shot right. Right. Verse 26. Right. I see I've presented before you today a blessing and a curse. The blessing that you hearken to the commandments of Hashem, your God, that I command to you today. And the curse, if you do not hearken the commandments of Hashem, your God, and you stray from the path that I've commanded you today to follow the gods of others that you did not know. Now, continues on, he says, It shall be then Hashem, your God, brings you to the land to which you come to possess it. You shall deliver the blessing of Mount Gerizim and curse Mount Ebal, and they, uh, and they not on the other side of the Jordan, far from the uh, direction of the sunset. I would like to talk about the battle of mediocrity, and I would want to uh, build this up because we're going to look at Rabbi Yovadia Sforno from the 15th and 16th century, his view on the concept of mediocrity, and also Maimonides have both what seems to be contrasting uh, discussions on the on the text, but tonight we're going to bring them together, and we're going to find out like a zipper there are two sides but there's there's a there's a common thing that ties them two together and it, it's going to be very good I, I remember a statement that I believe that was done by I, I'm thinking general uh, Schwarzkopf who said always be aware of being the best in a mediocre uh, mediocre uh, community what are you if you're the best in a mediocre community, community, you're just a little better than mediocre. Now, mediocrity is, uh, at some level, the disease of the nations. It is the disease of the religious, at times. It can be the religious. What do we mean when we say mediocrity? What comes to mind? Average. Okay. Settled. Comfortable. comfortable in the middle not too far one way or another I would say that most Americans would consider themselves average 
taking care of their family. They're not radical left, radical right. They're sort of in the middle. Say again. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're not giving their best. So whatever they hear on TV and radio, they just accept it. You know, when they call a certain group of people a certain thing, they just accept it. When they say the president is this, they just accept it because I just live in my life, just trying to get along, not really trying to reach for anything higher. Had a wonderful, beautiful conversation with Mr. Hall from Nigeria, who saw our videos, had been watching, and said, I've been raised Roman Catholic, I've quit going to church, I've started studying, but I don't even know where to start. I just feel this sort of something. I can't even explain it. And it, you probably don't understand. Of course, of course, we all understand exactly what that is. It's, it's this just voice in the wilderness that cries out and calls you to Mount Sinai. And he just doesn't understand. I, I don't understand why all of a sudden I'm curious about all this stuff. Where do I start? And this is a man who has stepped out of his religious mediocrity and began to earnestly seek Hashem. The, the thing that plights or the plagues most people, uh, period, in the religious world is just being average. Now, let's examine some of the text. Now, in Deuteronomy 11, 16 through 18, it says, See this day I have set before you a blessing and a curse. Blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord God and enjoy them on, the, uh, on this day. And curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn away from the path that I have enjoined upon you this day, and follow other gods whom you have not experienced. Noticed, very much like the text that we dealt with with last class, why didn't he give them something else other than choose this or choose the other? Why not just say, don't choose the evil? Just follow God. Free 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 choice is part of the package, right? Why not just say, just forget about the whole thing about choosing negative or choosing death. Choose life. He gives them the choice. Of course it's free choice. But the idea is this. We are going to see that God either wants you fully engaged or just forget it. Just don't worry about it. Right? It's like a half-hearted relationship with your spouse. Half-hearted. How about a job? You go to work for a company and they expect you to be a company man or company woman and you're just sort of half-heartedly doing the job. You think you'll keep that job very long? Someone called me today lamenting about his business practices. And he says, you know, I, I, I hired this guy. He was fantastic. He worked so hard. And I told him, if you keep doing this, what I'm going to offer you are vacation days. And you get to a, a, cure, a cure them. Over a period of time. And so at the end of a year, you, you'll have like 60 days of vacation, right? All paid, all paid for. And he, he gave some other benefits. And two weeks later, the guy quit to go get a better job. And so he said, he called the guy and he said, or the guy called him and said, hey, you still owe me money on my paycheck. He goes, what do you mean? He goes, well, because I cured a payday, I mean a, a vacation day. He goes, you quit your job. What do you mean? I, you cured a payday. You, you see what I'm saying? It's like he, he's wanting something for nothing without ever, without ever engaging fully in it. 
Below, we're gonna we shall we're gonna see briefly a discussion by Rabbi Ovadia Sfarno from uh, he who's in Italy between the 15th and 16th century. In these opening verses and in this week's reading, the relationship between his interpretation and the social and spiritual realities of his, of his time. During his time, it was very, very unique. And I would say probably not much different than our time here. Let's see what he says. He says this. He, he uh, addresses the uh, uh, applicability of contemporary Israeli Jewish society. First, we cite his interpretation of the verse that we just read. Okay, so this is him translating or interpreting that verse. He says, look and observe that your ways not revolve around mediocrity, as in the rest of the nations, for indeed, he sets before you blessing and curse. These two extremes are blessing means to succeed more than which would suffice. And on on the better way, the curse is a malediction that detracts. So that one does not achieve that which one uh, suffice, and both are before you, in your reach, according to the way in which you choose. So basically saying, God's given you one thing, to choose. And you can't decide to not choose. Because if you are mediocre, you are what? You're not anywhere. Right? You're not anywhere. If you're mediocre, you're not really zealous for God, contending for Torah, searching after Him, and you're neither choosing a curse, at some level you've already negated your, your place when it comes to blessing. And according to the concise style, Sforno unequivocally presents the entire religious worldview. According to his interpretation, the Torah teaches us an important principle, namely that although the middle of the road is general and the, the, is sort of the neutral world for all of mankind, most of all mankind just chooses to be in the middle of the road. And there's nothing really wrong with that. But God says to the Jewish people, you have a different responsibility. You have a responsibility to be priests of the nations, therefore you cannot be in the middle of the road. So, continuing on, according to this interpretation, it teaches an important principle that um, Although the middle of the road is general and, and, and natural for human beings to follow, as in the other nations, and is even to be com- commended when it comes to worshiping the Lord, the middle way is not the option. Sforno says, there is no middle way for a person who truly wants to serve Hashem, of Adat Hashem. Indeed, the secular realm of human life, following the middle of the road, will lead to sufficiently satisfying our needs. In the secular world, middle of the road's all right. You go to work. You come home, you fix supper, you have children. It's fantastic. It's great. But it's not good for those who are wanting to truly connect to Hashem. In Tractate Avot Chapter 4, where Maimonides quotes, he recommends that a person generally takes the middle of the road and refrain from adopting extreme positions in their morality and behavior. Whoa-oh. So we have Maimonides says... In general, it's good for you to just keep the middle of the road. Don't go too far this way and that way on morality and behavior. Stay in the middle of the road. And then you have Ovadia Sparno that says, no, there's no middle of the road. You have to choose one or the other. Choose life. Choose to live. Now, where's the balance in that? Think about it for a second. What's the balance? Do we know what the balance is? What is it? Choose Hashem with all your strength and all your might, or don't do it at all. Right. Now, 
Why? How do we respond to Maimonides? Is Maimonides saying the opposite? No. So what is he talking about? He's talking about your behavior. Behavior. To be radical because it'll wear you out. Correct. So here's here's the thing. What Maimonides is talking about is the guy that shows up for the first time. Either you're in a Noah community or or a Jewish community, and he's already growing out long pious, and he's got a a, a strimal on you know the fur. The fur hat and a big long black coat, and he's not even started his conversion yet, right? Most rabbis would say, "Take that stuff off you. Don't don't do that." Why would they tell them to do that? Because it's too extreme, and at some point, he's going to end up uh, failing at the whole thing because it's going to be too stringent. He's not going to be able to do it. Great people will perceive him too from the outside world if they're looking at him with all the religious gospel then they're going to think he's a very holy man and maybe watch him Correct. Doing wrong, Correct. Correct. Absolutely. So so the whole point is what Maimonides is saying, look, just stay balanced in your life. Just stay balanced. But what Spono is saying, yes, have balance in your life, but when it comes to Ovadat Hashem, service to Hashem, you cannot be Mediocre. You cannot be half-hearted about the whole thing. Now, is it possible to have the most earnest yearning for Hashem and love for God and not have the ability to do all the Avodat Hashem, the service to Hashem, and yet not be mediocre? Absolutely. That's an important part. Because one of the biggest things that we find in the and the non-Jewish righteous of the nations who are attempting to connect to Hashem, they see all of the smorgasbord. Do they even use that word anymore, smorgasbord? Okay, just want to make sure people know what that is. If you're from the Northeast, you know what a smorgasbord is, right? Cafes and diners, right? Do they have them in Virginia? Diners? No. It's a New Jersey thing. and Yeah, it's, it's a big thing. So anyway. Uh, so the smorgasbord, a selection of all the mitzvahs, and then all of a sudden you start panicking. I've got to do everything. And you try doing everything, and you do nothing more than discourage yourself, and you fall away. But what Sparno is saying is, my and your whole life has to be completely focused, like a pinpoint laser, on one thing. I want blessing. I want connection. Whatever that means. That's my goal. And if I'm not careful, I can get comfortable in duties, you follow? Mm -hmm. And not have a soul connection. Mm -hmm. I can get comfortable in my little things that I do and not really have this deep soul connection. It would be like going to work and your boss tells you, you need to improve your attitude. When you come to work, yes, you do a good job. You do everything you're supposed to do. But my goodness, please act like you want to be here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Now, we've probably heard that at some point in our, in our own careers. But the point is, in serving Hashem, you can serve Hashem and be doing all the mechanical things and not have yearning to be close to Hashem not having the earnestness to really know Hashem and to, and to, to sort of sense and feel uh, your purpose in Hashem. Now, according to Sparno, 
in the Jews' spiritual world, it is not possible to settle for that which is just sufficient. And to follow in the middle and the mediocre path. Quite the contrary, we are faced with only two possibilities, the two extreme points. Obey the Lord's commandments, blessing, disobey them, curse. In other words, follow the way of the Lord's teaching or leave leaving this way and follow another. Uh, follow other gods. In the case at hand, there are there is a third way, no middle way and no vacuum. This is the necessary dichotomy offering us the choice of one of these two offerings. The middle of the road serving God partially halfway or a third of the way or a quarter of the way or as he, is, as he puts it, revolving around mediocre is not an option. Why do we say it's not an option? Because it is a guarantee that you will fade away and fail. Now, Let's, let's address something that we see in families of the righteous that are coming out of the nations. One of the, one of the spouses may not be where you're at, correct? They may be at another place. Um, should a spouse put pressure on the other spouse to do things that they're not ready to do? Why? They'll drive them away. Mm-hmm. Right, drives, absolutely drive them away. So we can't impose uh, zeal on our spouses in any different way than Moshe couldn't impose zeal on his people. Moshe said through the voice, through, uh, God said through the voice of Moshe, choose. Choose what you want. You want blessing? Here's blessing. It'll come down and rain down on you like you would believe. If you want to choose curse, do that. At the same time, a person who is not ready to do those things, is not necessarily choosing a curse. What is choosing a curse? Serving someone other than God. Okay? So not being ready to do certain mitzvahs is not choosing a curse. It means that they're not ready for that. What it means to choose a curse is to absolutely do the opposite. Begin to do the negative commandments. Begin to do the things that are against ethics and morality. Like beginning to cheat on your spouse, whatever it may be, those those are the kinds of things that that uh, are it, are affecting the um, uh, the blessing or the cursing of the person. Now, let's quickly examine why did Sforno write this, and I'm going to write this very interesting. The society in which many respects uh, respects integrated into a general Christian society was the society, the Italian Jewish society during the Renaissance. So think about this. During the time of the Renaissance in Italy, you have a Jewish society that is dominated by a Christian society, which was Roman Catholic. That society, that Jewish society, had absorbed external cultural influences leading to a spiritual decline amongst the Jews. So they were, the whole sort of the Catholic influence on the Jewish community was beginning to take, make some changes. Now, we see the effect of that now with intermarriage and all kinds of things that are going on, right? So, it says that Sforno's expression of everything that he talked about was about this idea that Judaism had had descended into religious skepticism and declined in observance of the Jewish commands. What What creates skepticism for a Jew? We, we mentioned this the other day, and that is when you 
take the Torah and you, uh, what was the word that we used? It was called, um, it was called, oh, what is killing me here? Um, when you minimize it, what was the word that we used? Deviate, minimize, it was another word. Yeah, but you remember, it, basically, when you take, diminish it, thank you. What happens is when you diminish Torah, what, what is it said? What, what did Ankylos say about diminishing Torah? It means that a person <laughs> says, well, with reason, we look at these things, and our new modern thinking just it doesn't make sense anymore. They put reason into it and logic, and they say it just doesn't make any sense that we follow it. It's old commandments, therefore it's... This is what was happening to Jewish society at the time. So, Sfarno's commentary on the Torah was apparently written in an effort to cope with the social-religious problem. He sought to write a commentary that would be relevant to Jews of his time and would help strengthen them in their faith at a time when they faced a couple of, of a choice of being faithful to the commandments or abandoning them altogether. Embedded in this com- commentary are ideas attested to his biased and, comp- uh, and compro- uh, compromising a wealth of anti-Christian polemics that was pervasive in society. Thus, the passages cited above should be seen not only as a reflection of, of a doctrinal theological position, but also as criticism of a superficial religiosity that characterized the Jewish society as he lived. I found out today, and I didn't know this, did you know that there is called post-denominational Judaism? Did you? It's a new term. I had no idea what that was. No, I, I, I tried to look it up what they believe and do, and I don't know. It's sort of like when Christians call themselves non-denominational. I think that's what it is, but it's post-denominational, so, so now they have a, a different thing. And to be honest with you, I'm not so much into uh, groups. Either you are a practicing Jew or you're not. Well, but the point, the point is, is you're a Jew. There are Jews who are not practicing. Right? That doesn't make them not a Jew, does it? Okay. So they're practicing or they're not practicing. That's the category. Either you are this is one God said. He didn't say, if you're going to be reform, conservative, and post-denominational, stand here. And if you're going to be orthodox, ultra-orthodox, stand here. He didn't say that. Let's look at what Maimonides wrote in Tractate Makot. He says this, It is a fundamental tenet of Torah that if a person has properly performed one of the 613 commandments of the Torah without having any other motive such as one might have in this world, but has done it purely for his own sake, out of love, as I have explained, he says, then this deed merits the person's uh, person a life in the world to come. It's big. So, attitude counts. Intention counts. If I do one mitzvah with full intent to connect to Hashem, I've secured a place. I'm not mediocre anymore. Right? I think that the issue is nobody in this room is going to be wanting to be mediocre. Nobody wants to. The issue is what's mediocrity and make sure that we don't get caught up and be in look, we're okay. Now here's here's how this happens for those of us in our community is we come to Torah study twice, three times a week. Uh, we study at the house, and you have your routine. I, I have my routine. 
and pretty soon I'm not earnestly contending to connect to Hashem. I'm just studying. You follow? I'm just doing my stuff. I'm being nice. I'm doing mitzvahs. But it, my whole internal spiritual connections, I'm just satisfied. I'm okay in the middle of the road. And somehow we've got to continue to stir up this deep desire uh, to have connection with Hashem. It's that way for relationships of every kind. It's that way for our jobs. How many people have fallen out of love with their job? I just don't like it anymore. Well, is it because of the pay? No. Just don't care for it anymore. It's, it's possible to do that in our walk with the Creator. Let me read this. It comes from Rabbi Yehuda Amatil, Amatal, a blessed memory. He was the head of, uh, of Etzion Yeshiva. And he says this, Doing things naturally is a value not only in opposition to observing the commandments out of coercion, but also in the opposition of observing them artificially. The importance of worshiping the Lord naturally is included in the petition we make in our prayers, which says, Purify our hearts to serve you truly. Artificially puts blemish on true worship of the Lord. The trust of this request is that there is a correlation between our performances, our performance of the commandments and our inner sense of loving the Lord, fearing Him, and seeking closeness without a lack of proportion between the quantity of the deeds and the inner value. May Hashem continue to fan the flames of desire and yearning for Him. May we never be satisfied with our relationship with Hashem. May we always engage to draw closer to Him. Amen and Amen. So that concludes the shiur. So we'll now go into comments, questions, uh, discussion of...